The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think he'll be two for you, still. Aha! I'll never tell. <laughs> You'll have to wait. Oh well, yeah, you will. You will tell Tuesday. <laughs> You're right. I will. I'll tell Tuesday. You're right. I won't tell until then, though. Oh baby! Woo! Damn it! Woo! I did it! I'm done. Chris Sims top forty. The race is over. I no longer have to defend myself to the masses anymore. Oh, wait, we haven't uh, asked me anything today where I have to defend myself. Oh, what was yeah. I thinking? I'm almost done. What up, man? Ahmed Farid's here, Chris Sims, Chris Sims on Button Podcast. What's up, dude? How you doing? Yeah, we were just talking about this is what you do now. You rile up everyone, you get your supporters, <laughs> and that is us, and we have to defend you, which is an exhausting job in and of itself. But then we move on to the next topic, and then you'll get people riled up again. And so this is never ending. Even though your top 40 countdown is done now, this is not ending. You, you're just riling people up year, year round now. I, I, pretty much. It's, it's what I feel like I'm used to. It, it's hard sometimes <laughs> when, you're, when you're honest like me, and you know sometimes maybe I'm too honest. I do. I get some backlash and have to hear about it. And, yeah, with the quarterback rankings, as you know, like – nobody's ever really happy with their quarterback's ranking, really. And like I would think the Kansas City Chiefs are probably one of the only teams that are going to be happy with me. Maybe Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, but even Aaron Rodgers at three, Watson, Lamar Jackson, those guys, I get a lot of pushback for where they should be, whatever. So uh, I feel like Mahomes and Wilson is really the least amount of pushback I've gotten through anything in my conversations to this point. There's been a lot of pushback, but you're right. I haven't heard a whole lot of people complaining with Patrick Mahomes being number one. Maybe the, the fact that Lamar Jackson wasn't there, but that's a negative from the Baltimore fan base. Uh, so we're right. going to go through it. There's been a lot of comments as you've done this throughout. We've addressed some of them. Um, but now that it's all completed, we, uh, we went to the homies once again. We reached out to uh, get their comments. So we'll hear from them. We're going to hear from your dad. Your dad is coming back as well. The triumphant return of Big Phil. So he will join us about 15 minutes from now. But here is your completed top 40 countdown from one Patrick Mahomes down to 40 in Tua. I'm going to talk about, Chris, too, the, your, uh, your, the five fan bases that hate you the most now. So we will get to that at some <laughs> okay. point in, in this podcast. And I was able to whittle it down to just five. It was difficult, okay, good. but there are five that are on you more than more than anyone else. So let's get... I want to uh, guess them right when in. that comes, though, just so you know. I want to guess okay. them before you tell me because I think I could at least name three of them for sure. You have a pretty good idea, I'm sure, uh, already. So here is uh, 
producer Pete, Pete Demolimolimolitis, with a disclaimer. He said, uh, we know a lot of you wanted us to answer, quote, this list sucks, or quarterback A is better than quarterback B, but those aren't questions. And he makes a great point. Those are not questions <laughs> at all, and we cannot address those. Uh, and those who asked, Chris, are you smoking something? Clearly don't listen to the pod. So we're not going to answer, address your questions as well, because you're not a real <laughs> right. You should know. <laughs> That's right. Way to go. Uh, I like these rules <laughs> and parameters. Very well done by both of you. Way, way to go. So let me start off with a couple here that we got throughout um, the podcast. Just real quick on, on what you see as, you know, maybe what happens after this year. Because this is what this is, is a snapshot in time for those who don't know of the 2020 season. If you had a team with random talent, a random head coach, and you wanted to pick your quarterback, who, who are you picking based on talent uh, alone? Um, there were a lot of people that thought, and I did a podcast uh, just a, a couple hours ago, our All Things podcast with Jack Collinsworth. His dad is Chris Collinsworth. They run the, the PFF uh, the website where they right. rank all these players. His biggest pushback on it, and we've seen this uh, from other people, specifically with Brady and Breeze, is that the list puts a lot on arm talent, physical talent, running talent, and not as much on mental talent leadership. However, I, I've heard you address that many times here, but that is some of the critiques that we have seen um, on Twitter here is that you're not uh, valuing Breeze and Brady's mental acumen as much as, uh, as you should be. Well, listen, they're special that way. There's no doubt about that. But see, what people are really getting confused there is, and, and again, I'm not trying to discredit it, but they're giving it a little too much credit too. That's where I would argue. You know, like it doesn't take great mental acumen for a guy like Drew Brees all week for Sean Payton to say, hey, when I call this play, when I call this play, I want you to throw to this guy. When I call this play, you throw to this guy. I'm going to design it all to throw to this guy and you'll just make sure I get the coverage or two that I want for this play. And then when we have that, you run it and you can look over here, but we know the place for this guy over there. And that's not that difficult. That's, that's what I'm trying to explain to people, you know? And again, I understand these are masters of the game, but I just think some people are giving them a little too much credit for this all the time where, you know, I, I hear about it all the time and I've gone back and charted games of Tom Brady before of his completions and how many times did he have to get to the second and third guy and things like that, where he's a master at it. But there's games where Drew Brees and Tom Brady, the game is served up on a silver platter for them in a lot of ways. You know, hey, Josh McDaniels told me to look at this guy first. That's my first read. Hey, I'm looking at him. And he's open. Whoa, whoa, you're so smart. Nobody in football could have done that. Now, I know there's other aspects of their mental game that is better than other people. No doubt about that. I take that into account. But at this point, it's not great enough to overcome their deficiencies in their physical tool set. Okay? So that's where it is at with this. And their leadership, phenomenal. Yes, all of that. I take that into account. But I like, you know, again, Lamar Jackson doesn't have the strongest arm in football. It, it, it's, it's not like that. Well, I mean, you know, Matt Ryan, number seven, it's, it's not even in the top half of football in arm strength. It, it's not. It's not as strong as Tom Brady. So Kirk Cousins, it's not a big arm. Nope. But again, so I'm not all into that. I don't like that. 
But again, more times than not, and I can tell you this, hey, Brady's one of the all-time greats, yeah, because of his mental acumen and leadership, because he has an all-time great arm, too. And Drew Brees, even though it might not be an all-time great arm as far as power is concerned, it's still a great thrower with great feel and anticipatory skills and things like that, which I recognize. But their declining skills are affecting all of those things I've mentioned. And, you know, again, like all I would say is, you know, the game would look a lot easier for Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson if they were playing for Sean Payton and Bill Belichick. You know, and I'm not trying to say that's a knock. I mean, again, that's the reality of the situation to me. And the reality of the situation is, yeah, those two guys got with really good players. I don't know. Is Michael Jordan Michael Jordan if he didn't get with Phil Jackson? You know, it's like people get offended, like personally. You could talk shit about people's kids and they'll be like, oh, I don't care. And then you talk about Brady and Breeze and people are like, <laughs> F- you, you're an asshole. <laughs> I don't care about my kid. How dare you say that about Breeze and Brady? And it's insane. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe they don't like their kids as much as they like Brady and Breeze. What are what if their kids never won? Right? I mean, they never won Super Bowl. They're not they winners. Uh, so so wait, what if if Brady goes to Tampa now, and and now he's is surrounded, I think, by maybe even better talent now in Tampa yeah. this year than he was last year in New England, but different coach, different scheme. Will you give Brady more credit for succeeding in Tampa than you would have in in New England? Um, uh, not necessarily. I mean, I think I'm going to give him a lot of credit if he succeeds here, no matter what. And, you know, again, he's going to be asked to do certain different things and all that, but he's also, Hey, this Bruce Arians, we know is one of the better offensive minds in the sport. What I'm excited about Brady is, is I think he's going to be able to install some of the plays he liked from new England. And now you combine that with Bruce Arians offense. And I go, Ooh, that's a cool formula. I like that. So I think he's really going to help them out this way. Listen, you know, Brady is like two things to me here, okay? Um, in some ways, I think he's very underrated, all right, in the lures of the NFL. And I think that from the physical standpoint, you know, I think you've heard me say this before. You know, again, Brady's arms, not Brett Favre or Mahomes or Elway or Aaron Rodgers, but to me, it's like the next group down of great arms in the history of the sport. I don't think people really give credit for, one, the size of Brady, two, his quickness and smoothness in the pocket, and then three, his pure arm power is special. I mean, it really is, and it always has been. So from that standpoint, I've always thought he's underrated, and people don't understand that. Now, I think he's overrated sometimes because people are like, oh, my gosh, if he wasn't in New England, they would never win. And I would just go, eh, I don't know if I feel that way. And I think that you could put other quarterbacks in New England throughout these years, and maybe they would have won more. That's what I would argue, you know, but I know that's an arguable point, and I understand that. So, yeah, I guess there's a little bit of the, the positive and the negatives there with the, the Tom Brady factor to me. Obviously, one of the greats of all time. But, you know, again, I do think a lot of other quarterbacks, if they had the benefit for playing for Belichick in New England – we would think of think of them in a much higher regard than maybe right. we do is all I'm trying to say. Further clarification here for Dookie B. He asked the question, listening to your pod, haven't you called both Brady and Rogers the best quarterback ever? You probably called Brady the most accomplished quarterback, maybe the most, right. you know, 
I, 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 well, but I sometimes don't, I, don't I might throw ever... it out and say the best quarterback ever because I understand that's what people think. And listen, yeah, yeah I think he's number three all time. And I know I'm absolutely in crazyville for that. Uh, but I certainly like when people come to me and go, Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not like, oh, my gosh, that's so stupid. You're crazy for thinking that. No, I get it. I'm just telling you from my knowledge and perspective of the game that I don't quite see it the same way, but I totally understand that thought. And I'm not going to be mad at somebody for saying Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time. Your old friend, Adam Lefko has chimed in. Did you see this one? I did not. <laughs> okay. He goes, I love you like a brother. I really do. I think you have Rogers too high. He thinks Rogers at number three, even though that's as low as, is that as low as you've ever had him? Yes. Three? Yes. So he still thinks it's too high. Aaron Rodgers at three. What would you say to your old friend? This is blasphemy from my old friend, Adam (laughs) Lefkoe. We built our podcast at Bleacher Report on, oh, Aaron Rodgers is the greatest quarterback (laughs) I've ever seen. What an asshole he is to infiltrate my comment section and say this. Totally. Um, I understand that. I mean, I understand it because a lot of people have been saying that to me. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, as you know. I mean, yeah, no, I think Rodgers is firmly entrenched at number three. Listen, I thought about Rodgers and Watson. In my original list, I had Watson in front of Rodgers. And then the more I thought about it, and then I started watching film and going back, and I went, eh, it's Watson might make more plays than Rodgers, but he doesn't play the game as clean and as surgical as Rodgers. So from that standpoint, that's why I went with Rodgers. But, you know, again, my top five, I, have, I feel really confident about my top five. I, I, the, the, that, to me, was the easiest part of it. Now, who was – who was two, three, and four, and five, and all that? Okay, yeah, I had to think about that. But, you know, again, Rodgers, what do we want to talk about? An average defense, uh, a good running game. It's been the best we've seen in his career to this point to help him out. But it's not like I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's one of the best running games in football. Okay, he's got Devontae Adams, who's a really good number one receiver. But – I don't know if I feel like he's a top 10 receiver in football. And then most times, hey, listen, I know my buddy Adam Lefko and you and other people that are really entrenched and paying attention to football. But most time when I go on radio and ask people, who's another receiver on Green Bay, Green Bay other than Devontae Adams? They stammer up. Valdez Scanling? I mean, that's the kind of answers I get. And I go, exactly. You've already answered. You've already made the point for me. You can't even name another target on the team. The Packers were a 10-6 and six football team last year with a great quarterback that made them 13-3 and three and made us believe that maybe they were a Super Bowl contender. So that's where I'd push back against my buddy Adam Lefko. Um, but it's always good to hear from you, Lefko. Hope you're good there, Slugger. Yeah. Loves you like a brother. Hopefully doesn't like you uh, like a kid like you just described with some of those other people out there who don't even enjoy their kids at all. I mean, love you like a brother. You might not like your brother, your brother either. So yeah, well, <laughs> You would uh, like that go. Comes... You guys would get along real well. I would. We would have I, some good times. I would. I would. I, I watch them all the time. All right. So here is uh, Bloop 33. And this is about Deshaun Watson. We were just talking about him. I agree about actually liking what the Texans have done for now, especially when they had to 
Tay Watson. Do you think there's a bit of a risk that they go with a Seattle-style offense trying to have the ball last and limited route creativity, or can B.O.B. open it up? So what do you, what do you think of that comment? I think, uh, who is that guy that said that? Who's that? that Bloop 33. Bloop 33. First off, I, I mean, that's a good question. And I think he's very right there. You know, he's, he makes a good comparison there. It is a little bit, you know, for lack of a better way to put it, a Seattle-style offense. There's not a lot of easy completions for the quarterback. You know, it's a lot of push the ball down the field. You know, this concept's not overly complicated or confusing for a defense, but – hey, we still would like you to complete that pass, even though it's not fooling anybody. And Watson and Rodgers do that. Yeah, I would like to see them have a more versatile offense in Houston. And like I've said, I've said this a few times, I think on the pod and certainly with Florio on PFT. I think in a lot of ways, Ahmed, the trading of DeAndre Hopkins could be a good thing for Deshaun Watson and the Houston offense. I heard offense. you say that with Paul. Okay, yeah. yeah, you're right. And I and I like, I mean, Hopkins, to me, arguably the best receiver in football. So I get it, but I do think to a degree, listen, it's not a good look when one guy has 105 receptions and DeAndre Hopkins, and then the next guy down is at 49. That tells you the ball is going to one guy way too much. The defenses know that. And big moments, they know who they got to take away. And I think it's led to Watson sometimes standing there. Is Hopkins open? Is Hopkins open? Hopkins open? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, and then he gets sacked. Or is Hopkins open? Is Hopkins open? Oh, no. And then he's got to throw it away, right? I think right. it could be a little bit more of an offense by committee this year. I do. With David Johnson and then, of course, Randall Cobb and Fuller and Kenny Stills and Brandon Cooks, it's going to be hard to peg who's doing what and who – Deshaun Watson wants to go to in big moments, but I think they could be a little more creative in their schemes to answer our guy there, Seattle and Houston, to help out their quarterbacks and not always be like, okay, we're down by four. There's three minutes left. We kept it close for you. Now can you win us the game? I mean, damn, that's a lot to ask of those two week after week after week. It's hard to win and win a Super Bowl that way. Yeah, you can see how it happens, though, you can, because you've seen him do it before and, and you feel like, oh, let's play it safe because we know in our back exactly. pocket that Deshaun can make a play. Um, but that's interesting about DeAndre Hopkins and perhaps that being a, a bit of a crutch for both Bill O'Brien and for Deshaun Watson. Right. And now you got to try to find something else. And that's how you, you get personal and perhaps professional growth here for an NFL quarterback. Uh, question about your number one quarterback, Patrick Mahomes. This one comes from at Praise B Mahomes. So I, I am guessing he is a pretty big <laughs> Sounds <fan>. like it. <laughs> uh, in case anyone is actually worried about Mahomes drifting back as he throws instead of setting his feet, he says. He did that in 2019 because he was injured the entire season and had a revolving door at left tackle. Do you, uh, what do you think about that? Do you think he, he did that more in 2019 than 2018 because of that? I, uh, I think there was probably part of that. I think the biggest thing I would attribute to is just he just was more comfortable. Like 2018, he was a rookie, and I think he was trying to play it by the letter of the law a little bit more. 2019, they were like, hey, you're kind of f***ing awesome and do whatever you want back there, okay? As long as you keep <laughs> yeah. completing them or doing whatever. That's we cool. trust so, you now, yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. It, I mean, it's unique in that deep drop and that things. And I really, honestly – you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you started to see it more from some of the athletic quarterbacks like a Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz because it does open up those pass rush lanes. 
And if you have some quickness and ability to make people miss, you do create some space to, oh, wait, here comes Frank Clark. Okay, but at least you get to see it and make a move and kind of a look at his body language to make that move to get yourself free. So, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see it more. Now, you have to have a special arm like Mahomes, too, to pull it off. And that's where it's special because sometimes he does that, and now there's nowhere to scramble on certain plays. But it doesn't matter to Mahomes because he can throw the ball 70 yards off his back foot. So he's like, oh, okay, wait. All right, my feet are cockeyed. People are coming in my face. All right. Uh, uh, and he just kind of throws that rubber arm out there, and he completes a 20-yard pass. And, you know, not everybody can do that. It's very few people that can do that. I want to know if uh, someone else agrees with your number one ranking of, of Patrick Mahomes, and that someone else is your father. I hear we have Big Phil on the phone right now. You there? Ahmed, I am here, and my son, I just heard him talking. Um, and what was that question? Do I agree with my son? Yeah, we were just talking about uh, he just completed. It was an exhausting, uh, it feels like uh, like seven months of work here to get through the uh, 40 quarterback <laughs> countdown list. I'm sure he's been talking to you about it for even longer than that. But he settled on Patrick Mahomes 1, Russell Wilson 2, Aaron Rodgers, three, Deshaun Watson, four, and Lamar Jackson, five. And we're going through some of the reactions to uh, the completed list. What's, what's your biggest reaction to, to what Chris did, maybe good and bad? Mm, well, not many reactions. Of course, I knew the rankings as they were coming out. I, he did tell them to me. And we did have a few discussions. Uh, I would think, now, who was number four? Deshaun Watson? Deshaun, right, I yeah. might I might have switched... Um, Lamar Jackson ahead of Deshaun Watson. You know, more consistent, played with the system through the year. Of course, he was the MVP. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, Deshaun, um, Deshaun Watson maybe just a little too hectic. And, uh, you know, as I know Christopher even said this, this plays every play like it's the last play of the season of the Super Bowl and everything. So that would be one. I might just, that's nitpicking. But come on. Is somebody actually going to uh, fight back that say Patrick Mahomes is not the number one quarterback in the NFL? Uh, no, they do? I don't think that. I don't think they are. And you know, oh, okay. and to the well, to this Ahmed, to to what you're saying too. Listen, Dad, my dad is the first person who put like that deep drop thing that he does, Mahomes, onto my radar, where he started talking about it, and I was like, you know, I have been seeing that, and I haven't really like paid attention to what it's doing for him. But my dad said it to me last year during the season, and then I started to watch it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it, it really does bring a lot of positives to his game and what he can do. And uh, I think it's a really cool aspect. It's, we've never seen a quarterback really go backwards in the pocket as much as Patrick Mahomes. Well, it does. It creates time for him. You know, uh, you know, defenses are not ready for it. You had a great point. Here comes the defensive end. He goes, where in the hell is the quarterback? Oh, he's 15 yards back. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes can get away with it because of his talent, because he's done it, because he has succeeded, and because he is a head coach that's not anal and going, oh, you got to take five steps, and I want you to do, you know, Mr. Q QB stuff, you know, all that crap. So they give him great freedom. He takes advantage of it. He rewards them for it. And, you know, I always say these things. You said it this morning. We throw with kids. You know, uh, 
We teach kids to throw sidearm, going right, throw left, go left, throw right. And, you know, it's amazing how well they do it. But uh, we also, I work tremendously hard with them, and so does Matt, to drop back. Oh, let's drop back another five yards, and then if somebody does come free, we'll just dodge them. It's that easy. I don't care who the other guy is. I mean, you've got a two-way go, and he's, like, running straight at you. And, you know, so we do that, too, because I think it is underused. I pointed it out countless times last year during the season on the NFL today and, and on Showtime. So that tells me you weren't listening very much, son, the fact that you don't remember that. But that's okay. But it, it is unique, um, and I don't think many coaches could really stand their quarterback to play that way because, you know, that's just not what we do. So. But if you do it and have success early and right away, then, of course, the coach is going to be a little more flexible. But just so, there's just so few people that can get away with doing some of the things that we saw Patrick Mahomes do. Yeah, so many timing routes in the in the NFL and the West Coast. They can be kind of infiltrated. Oh, yeah, yes, that's right. The West, high school oh, and, and, the West Coast. And hold, it, the, hold it on, man. I'm making the sign across yeah. the West Coast offense. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm let me, let me throw this. What the hell is the West Coast out. offense? Oh, my God. Let's move on. But go ahead. Well, Dad, here, wait. This is one I want you to hear that I've gotten a lot of. Like, a lot of people, you know, think that I have Aaron Rodgers ranked too highly at number three right now. Um, yeah, what, I'd what like, planet are they living on? Okay. okay, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, just talk about Rodgers then, what you think, what you like, why you think he deserves to be three, or maybe you think he deserves to be somewhere else. I don't know. Well, no, I, I think you really slot him just right, uh, and I know it's hard for you because of what you think of him, but look, Aaron Rodgers still is a special talent. Was there a drop-off? You know, yes, there was last year, but it, we're talking about a tiny drop-off. We're not talking about going from – throwing a 90-mile-an-hour you know, fastball to 70. We're talking about how threw it 100, and now he's throwing it 98. Uh, right. So I saw, I saw a little difference in his speed, just a little. But you know what? He can regain that. He could regain it with different training or just trying to maybe accomplish it however he does it. He could get that back. But Aaron Rodgers is still just an unbelievable thrower, he does all these things that Patrick Mahomes does in a way, maybe just not as not as glaring, but very few people can make the throws that he does, has the power on the football, accurate, spins it so hard. Ahmed, you and I could catch this football, even though it's coming really fast, because it rotates so fast. If you put your hands up, it's just going to stick to him. It rotates right into him. And um, I would say this. And, and I've said this about a few teams, uh, two teams. First, the Green Bay Packers. They do not put enough on Aaron Rodgers. He's the best player in the team, one of the best players in the league. I want to build around him and use him more because I got the best guy. And that doesn't mean just making him throw all the time. Let's use him to influence in different ways, to fool the defense, whatever it is. And the other one that jumps to my mind I don't care. I know Seattle, we like to run the ball 30 times a game, and they do. But you're always behind. Third quarter, oh, but wait, they've run it uh, 28 times. But you're losing. And, okay, right. now, Russell, now we're going to start throwing it more. So we got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and we don't use him as our number one weapon. I would love to see Seattle. You know, there's talk that Antonio Brown could go there. Yeah. If he went there, 
I would open up my offense and really attack and do the opposite. Get ahead. Put pressure on the other team. Make your defense better. Now you control the tempo really the way you want. And, right. you know, I just I just don't think they use him enough. I, I, I think Russell Wilson, like you said, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And if I got a top player, I'm going to use him as much as possible to help my football team. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. don't use them to, like we say, to put – they use them as, okay, the game's not working the way we want. Now can you get us out of jail? Like that's yeah. how they're used instead of what dad's saying is like, you know, how New England through the years used Brady. Come out, screens, this, fake a screen, down the post, down the middle, all these types of things. Just play the game through, open it up that way. And, yeah, they don't. They don't give them the power to do that at times. I think it's a great point by dad. I mean, I know this is old, Ahmed, and you won't remember. I don't even know if you were born. But in the heyday with us, with the Giants, people think Bill Parcells two things. He was willing to take a lot of chances. You know, trick plays, go for it here, whatever, things like that, won as many games. But his philosophy overall, most times, unless there was a really a different reason, by God, let's get out and score fast. I want to score. I want to be the first one on the board. And then we can dictate the pace of the game. The one chasing has a much greater chance of making a mistake and, hey, in 1990, I'm, I'm not sure of these stats. I, somebody told them to me, and I believed them. We were the leading team in scoring on the first drive of the game. The opponents did not score once any points on any opening drive. We led the league and set an NFL record for the least turnovers. So you start doing all those things, and you see what well, a lot of it had to do with the fact that let's go, let's do whatever we got to do to get on top, and then – I'll, and, and Christopher, I hope you agree, and Ahmed, I don't know how much you remember Bill Parcells, but the one thing he was, overall, he was an unbelievable game manager. Unbelievable. Could really think it out. And right. uh, I, I know I told you all the story. We played the Dolphins in 1990, I think it was. The great Dan yeah. Marino. Oh, my God, we're scared to death of Dan Marino. We went on the opening drive for about seven minutes to open the game. Score the touchdown. They go three and out, and I'm running out in the field. And as I'm five or ten yards away from him, he goes, Sims. And I turn around and go, I know. Kill the clock. I got it. Up seven to nothing in the first quarter, we started milking the clock. And it was a right. terrible game. It was it boring. Was. We, we it was. won easily. Right. And I think it was a two-hour and 35-minute contest. Right. 20 to and three Willie or Tamara, 20 to I think nothing, I told the story. like that. What, what's that? I was going to say it was like 20 to 3 or 20 to nothing, but a very boring game. I can remember. Very boring. And we came into the locker room, and Wellington Mayor was smiling, and he looked at me and he shook my hand. He goes, well, let's see what CBS can do with all that extra time. I mean, he, you know, <laughs> he loved that kind of stuff. So that was, and I just thought, well, I haven't really thought about that, but I guess you would since you're always probably part of the negotiating team with these, uh, with, with the network. So that was, that was pretty funny. I remember like it was yesterday. So. Yeah, it's it's interesting hearing you guys talk about that because it just seems some coaches in the NFL confuse aggressiveness for for carelessness, right? And they think, okay, let's be conservative. We don't want to turn over the ball. We don't want to unleash Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers before we have to because we don't want to be careless, uh, forgetting the fact that those guys are, are pretty careful with the ball. Let me throw this at you guys too. Uh, because, no, there, there wasn't um, a whole lot of pushback on Patrick Mahomes. wasn't really any pushback on him being the number one quarterback. 
But there was a lot of support that perhaps maybe by next year or in the next five years that Lamar Jackson could move up on that list. Um, so here's one, Chris. Let me throw this at you from Tomsey Wompsy. He asked, where would you rank Lamar just off his throwing? Erase the running. What range would he be? So, I mean, we've, we've said and you've said multiple times that as an elite athlete and a runner, he might, he's probably the best quarterback in the NFL right now. It's that throwing capability that needs to take the biggest step. So where would he be if you just ranked him on throwing and he was just average or just like every other quarterback with the running ability? Well, that's a very good question. It really is. Now, uh, I said this the other day, and I'll, you know, he's a natural thrower to me. You know, I do think if he picked up a baseball, like I said, a rock next to a lake and skipped it on, you'd go, whoa, he, that was a lot of skips. Like, I don't think anything's uncomfortable to him in his right hand. As long as you put it there, he probably feels like, okay, I can deal it, whatever it is. So he is natural that way. Does he have some mechanical issues a little bit that need to be cleaned up, you know, but like arm power wise, because this is a deep, deep conversation here, arm power wise, certainly in the top half of the league. And as I'm just sitting here, look at it right now. Yeah. It's just the top half of the league. But I think the other part of the arm that you have to like take into account too, is, you know, the flexibility in his arm, like a Patrick Mahomes or an Aaron Rodgers. You know, and I take this to account, too. It really allows him to make some awkward throws. In fact, like a lot of the times when you break him down, you go, man, his sidearm throws and things like that when he's trying to get it between a guard and a tackle and the pass rush are some of the best throws he makes. He actually does some things mechanically better there than when he does and everything in the pocket is clean because then it's clean and he just tries to like flick it with his wrist and his arm and it doesn't always lead to the most consistent throw always so what i'm saying is it's a very gifted arm i think power wise it's certainly in the top half of the football uh, the league it's just the 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 sharpness or precision that needs to be cleaned up to me more than anything how about you dad um you know i if i just had to pick a number not really going deep thought about it i'd say i'd put him at 20 just in throwing yeah. And, uh, you know, but here's what's unfair about the question, too. Right. What would he have been through his whole high school, grade school, college career if he couldn't run? Well, he'd be a much, much more polished thrower because that's how he'd have made his living. But he right. has used his legs, so it is, you know, slowed this, his process of being a great passer down. Now, I expect the passing – I saw a huge jump from year one to year two. I would expect right. more this year. And I think every year that goes by, we will see Lamar Jackson throw, I mean, run less and less designed runs and more throwing. I do. Because, you know, Christopher, Ahmed, just to, in the NFL, if you don't gain more control of the football as a quarterback as the years go by, then you're not going to make it. You know, you just learn how to control it. You know, maybe I'll hold it differently, change your release a little. There's so many things you can do. And the last thing is, Christopher said, he, you know, the sidearm throws. You know why he does that? Sometimes he'll do it when he doesn't have to because that's where he feels most comfortable throwing the ball. He right. never misses those little uh, sidearm flicks or throws or whatever because that's really where he feels comfortable because the ball, just think about it, it's laying in his hand instead of being up where he's got to hold it. So right. when it lays in his hand, there's just less room for error. 
throwing the football, and that's why he's good at it. And when in doubt, he will use that throwing motion when he can. So here, here's one, and, and I'm curious about this too, and I don't know that we've talked a whole lot about it. Not to interrupt you, it. but i got to remember I said yeah. all this because that's the first time I've ever brought that point up overall about Lamar Jackson, and not to give myself I, credit, but I think it was a pretty no, damn I, good I, point. I, it was good, I love that. and it's on the podcast, so it'll be here forever. If you ever need it, you know, we'll send it to you. If you can't remember it, you're all right now my notes. Yeah, <laughs> okay. don't worry. <laughs> no, you know, I thought when you said that too, I was thinking the same thing because um, you you think about the specialization in sports, right? And you know, oh, what do you want to play one sport or two sport athlete and will it take away? Yeah. You spend more time with one thing. It's going to take away from, from something else. It's inherently how it, how it goes, but you just hope overall you're, you're better for it. And I think Lamar Jackson's better for. Well, let's do it this way real quick, real quick statement yeah. for you. I mean, why is Tom Brady such a great pocket passer? Because he has no choice. That's what he's been right, his whole yeah. life. That's the only thing he can be, so he's learned to move and shuffle in the pocket. That's why he's great at it, because he's done it his whole career, because there is no second option. So uh, Lamar has two options, and that's why he's not as maybe as good a thrower or as great in the pocket if you want to get into even that as Tom Brady would be, because that's the only way Tom Brady can survive. Yeah. But go ahead. Sorry to Tom Brady, And if Tom Brady could run like Lamar Jackson – he wouldn't be uh, the same Tom Brady throwing the football. Same thing there, there yeah, too. Well, he, he, still might, yeah. be Chris. he still wouldn't be the best player ever in Chris's eyes. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> Who uh, is the hey, great, throw... greatest player ever? Ooh, I don't know. I, well, I mean, you know where I stand with the quarterbacks. It's the conversation, Dad. You know that. Aaron um, Rodgers. Yeah, but, I mean, is he the greatest player ever? I don't know. You know, I mean, no. I mean, I, when I think of greatest player ever, sometimes I just go right to Jim Brown. I don't know what, how you feel there, Dad. Well, I grew up with Jim Brown. So, um, I saw him, and, you know, Jim Brown people, I, I heard somebody the other day going, there's no way he was the best football player running back. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not picking on him. I think it was Marcellus Wiley that, no, nah, maybe I don't want to be the wrong guy. But, they, you know, he's making a good point. Barry Sanders, but, you know, Jim Brown, for his size and what he did in his time period, was just so different from anybody else. I mean, he was just just totally dominated in everything just because he was a different athlete than everybody else. So that, to me, for his time period where he stood out so much, that's I would say, to me, he's the greatest, I, greatest player, in my opinion, in football, but, you know, um, everybody has a has a different thought on it. Everyone has their has their favorite, and I'm sure there's some people in Seattle who think that player is Russell Wilson, uh, and they have good reasons. Been a good quarterback for a long time. Uh, Chris, let me throw this one to you and Phil. This comes from Rob. Just one name, Rob. How is wow. Pete Carroll a consensus top ten coach, but such a detriment to offensive football? He attempted to open up the offense in the first two games of 2018. Five turnovers, 12 sacks, lost to the Broncos and Bears, and went on record saying that they would run more. They finished 10 and 6. So he says maybe, just maybe, Russell isn't good at running advanced passing games because he generally leaves the pocket when the first read isn't there. So what do you what do you make of that uh that long but well thought out comment from Rob. Well, listen, there's some things there that are good. Rob, your name's very boring. I mean, who does that on a <laughs> Twitter or Instagram? Just Rob? I mean, what is I mean, that? You got a point. Uh, but but okay. 
there's there's one area where the, the he's wrong at, and I and I'm not trying to be a jerk to Rob or anything like that. You know, the the biggest thing is the Seattle pass passing game has never been advanced or schematically creative or nothing like that. So you know, to even though in those first two games from the 2018 season where they came out and throw like whoop the do I don't care because I can tell you the plays that they called in that game you know the defenses they were playing against the Bears which is one of the best defenses in football the Broncos which was one of the best defenses in football so that might have been something to do with the struggles let's not forget about that let alone like Seattle's offense wasn't very talented in 2018 who was there Russell and who 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 anybody oh oh Tyler Lockett okay whoop-de-doo game changer so you know, between that, all those things I just said there, let alone what I'm saying with the, uh, un, you know, the lack of imagination in a pass game in Seattle, those defenses, Denver, Chicago, they were like seeing plays and they're going, wait, wait, these are the, are they running the offensive plays we saw in OTAs? Is this, are we back in OTAs? Just four guys run straight. Oh, this guy ran a shallow cross and this guy ran an in cut. Whoa, holy crap. That's what I'm trying to explain to people through this process. See, people like, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and Brady and McDaniels, they're in advanced algebra in their offenses. And Russell Wilson's stuck in an offense with a teacher that just doesn't know anything above fourth grade math. And so, therefore, he doesn't even know what he doesn't know. And he's never given some of the advantages that other great quarterbacks have with great offensive play callers. That would be my answer to that, Dad. Go ahead. Correct, correct me if you think I'm wrong anywhere there. No, right at every point. If you're going to, you know, put it like, you know, we talked about it, but it's not going to happen because now you've got to design the offense and be more creative and have a great scheme that just there's one play that just leads to another that keeps matching and doing whatever. And that, you know, it takes – they're too far down the road to really change. It's just something I bring up just to complain just because, right. hey, look, we say he's a great quarterback, but let's let him show it even more. But, uh, you know, the big, the un, they do it and they get away with it because their tremendous ability for him to play down the stretch. But also, when their defense now has the advantage against the other offense, which is trying to protect. So you're attacking and they're protecting. You know, you usually have the big advantage there defensive-wise. Go back to last year in a game that meant so much against Green Bay. And there they are. They're getting destroyed on defense. But all of a sudden, the things change. It's the end of the game. The Packers are trying to protect the lead, and they're being careful. And you're just going, man, Seattle's defense is awesome. It's unbelievable. Why do they play like this the whole game? Well, the scenario's changed. And why did Green Bay win that game? For one damn reason, because their right. quarterback made two throws under unbelievable pressure that probably three other quarterbacks in the league would have made. And they held on in one, and I don't know who dropped the pass for Seattle. I uh, can't remember. That, that their, their, their last drive, I guess. And it, it right. would have been a first, whatever, you know, so the situation changed. And I don't know what it was, fourth and what, at that time of the game. But I would have gone for it, not second-guessing, sitting and watching as a fan. you got to go for it because Aaron Rodgers can run the clock out on you and all those things. And it was a tough decision. 
And Pete Carroll said, let's punt it, see if they got the wherewithal to get it done. And they did strictly because of Aaron Rodgers. What would you say to this, Chris? Because um, Daryl Bevel went over to the Lions, and then that passing game with Matt Stafford, I mean, Matt Stafford had maybe the best eight-game stretch that he's had in his career last year uh, with Bevel. Is he doing different things with the Lions, or is, was it the same things he's doing in Seattle? It's just that the opponents for the Lions hadn't seen Matt Stafford run that offense yet? Well, yeah, I think I, I do think Daryl Bevel, you know, being out of the league a little bit, realized he needed to push the envelope a little bit with some of his passing game, you know, schematics and creativity. So I do think he's improved himself in that category, definitely. Yeah, and then, you know, I think, you know, with Matt Stafford, who's a special quarterback and everything added into that, and, you know, Matt Patricia wanted to run the ball and play through that in that way, you know, they, they got a good formula there to make things happen. You know, Daryl Bevel's offense, it's good. It's just not going to be one of those ones that you go, oh, man, it's one of the best in football or, or anything like that. But, yeah, unfortunately, Russell Wilson has been with two offensive coordinators. And then, of course, he has a head coach that wants, like Dad said, play defense, run the ball. And then guys like Daryl Bevel and, and Schottenheimer, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, the best things, the thing they're best at is run game, you know? So he's never had a guy that's been like, hey, let me show you how we run this pass play and this pass play and this pass play. Listen, if he got into some conversations with like Jimmy Garoppolo or Sean McVay and Jared Goff or Breeze and Peyton or McDaniels and Brady, you know, and they taught him some plays, Russell Wilson would be like, wait, that's what you guys are doing? That's how you're reading this? These are the rules for that play? Oh, man, I've been wondering why that guy's always open for you guys. I mean, that's what would happen, and he just hasn't had the luxury of having that guy around him. Yeah, you know, the, I mean, let me say this. I watched a lot of Detroit football last year, a lot, through the year. And, you know, the biggest difference is uh, Darrell Bevel, you know, it wasn't – Christopher's right. Uh, Matt Patricia did want to run the ball, but they had a quarterback that – you know, when they call drop-back passes, that's what he does. That's what he specializes in. He can move enough, but he can make all the throws, throw it on time. So it's kind of built in. So it made it easier on him. And, and, and I think also uh, sometimes when you get a chance to sit back uh, during an offseason and a season where you're not coaching, you know, you kind of open up your thoughts. You know, you don't keep right. going over what you did. You keep saying, well, let me just look and see what else is out there. I don't have to worry about a game. I don't have to worry about mini camp or all those other things. And, you know, I think you do come up with better ideas. I think there's – I can't wait. A couple, This brings me to this thought. Sean McVay, let's see what else is in that cooker they keep talking about. What is uh, the Green Bay Packers going to do? Because we heard, you know, we got to let Aaron Rodgers – let's use him more. Use the arm. Get it down the field. Things like that. And then I want to see what Mike McCarthy does to the Dallas Cowboys – and see what he can bring to their offense because he took that year off and used it with other coaches to sit around, watch, think, and, you know, come up. Maybe it could be the same place, but we show them in such a different way that it looks different to the defense and can pull whatever right. it is. So I'm really right. anxious to see all those things this year. It's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and who can implement their system best on Zoom? Or uh, or FaceTime or whatever uh, piece of technology you have to use in in 2020. That's going to be the question too. Phil, you got time for two more? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, let me tell you something. You know where you win, okay. you learn most of your stuff. Zoom is great. And I don't know, but I always, I watched a lot of films, studied, wrote notes, all this. But you know where I learned the most is when we went out and had a walkthrough. And we stood there. The other offensive players, that weren't, they would stand on defense. And I'd, go, I'd look and go, wait, they're not lined up. Oh, they are lined up right. It looks so different in person than it did on the film. And that's what, if they, man, I would think these NFL coaches, I don't know what their rules are going to be, but, man, they will hold a lot of walkthroughs because yeah. standing there and seeing is incredible. It's, to me, it's by far the best way to learn instead of Agreed. trying to learn it on a chalkboard or watching film. So go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. The technology is getting there, too, and I, I've done a lot of work in baseball, and I know there are a couple of companies that are trying to develop the, this headgear virtual reality where you put it on and it looks almost as real as real life that you're standing there facing a pitcher. And so you can literally see what his curveball, what his fastball, all is his changeup, what it looks like um, from a batter's box with this virtual reality. And so I wonder, you know, football teams have developed. I'm sure that technology is starting to be made at this point. Yeah. But boy, what there. a good time it would be for that. It, I mean, I, I don't know if any teams are using that right now, but this would be the perfect time for it, Chris. I think some quarterbacks use it. I don't think they've developed it for all the other positions yet to do that and get to that. But, I mean, first off, I think Dad, Dad's right. I, that's how I learn best. And I think with the COVID-19 and some of the guidelines that have been put in place by these NFL teams, and they're going to try to limit some of these, you know, in the film room meetings in the NFL. I think they're trying to encourage teams, hey, go out, you know, on the field and meet there. Let's get outside, right? Let's not stay inside because that's the one thing we're starting to hear more and more of. The, the breathing, the droplets of your breath, all that. That's what's really the most contagious part of COVID-19 to where I would think they exhaust walkthroughs this year, like Dad said, in training camp and even meeting time more than ever before uh, because of the, the current circumstances. Do you know the Dallas Cowboys, and they're unbelievable. Let me tell you again, it is the most unbelievable complex you will ever be in, maybe for our lifetime. But outside of every position group on their football team, outside their meeting room, there's a miniature turf field that they can go out and walk through all the things they're talking about. I wow. mean, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Wow is right. It's ridiculous. So they talk and look and all that. Then they go out and all get together and line up on their little field outside the meeting room. Okay, remember this and do this. And, you know, offensive linemen are looking over, you know, games that defensive linemen run. They get to see it. And, you know, I mean, it, it's incredible. But but I think you're right. We'll see more of that. Go ahead, Ahmed, your turn. What's the question? I got I got one more for you, and then you can get anything else off your chest that you feel like you want to get off your chest. This one comes from <laughs> Blowout Buzz, uh, and he sent it with a picture as well. And he said, there are not one, but not two, but three NFL quarterbacks in this 1992 Pro-Line card. So I think we have a, a shot of this. It's a it's an old trading card, you know, like those old football cards. But oh, it's actually, yeah. there it is. We're pulling it up for our YouTube audience. A 1992 Pro-Line card. Phil, you're there. You can't see this, but you're there with the entire family and the dog as well. You got Chris. You got Matt, who looks like oh, he's about yeah. two years old. You got yourself there. You got three NFL quarterbacks. I mean, this is like the, 
one of the best rookie cards you can have out there because you got a couple like pre rookies. <laughs> you know, that's a great picture. We took it in the backyard of a house we lived in before the one I live now, and that dog was not ours. He lived, I don't know, about a half a mile away, right, Christopher? He wandered right. in our backyard. We love animals, so we petted him, we fed him, and he was old, as you can see. And he loved Orioles. Hell, I'd throw Orioles up in the air. He'd catch them and eat them and whatever. <laughs> so we're taking the picture, and he's not even close. And the guy gets his all ready, and his name was Bocci. Of course, right. the owners were Italian. We knew him yeah. well. He walked over, stood right next to it, sat there, and we all that's, that's the reason why we're all laughing and smiling so big. And it's so natural because the damn dog out of nowhere just came over and sat down and looked into the camera. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. He's uh, posing right, great. I mean, like he he, no. he has the most professional pose out of all of you, to be honest. He's oh, I posing. know it's unbelievable. Yeah, and he's he's he's, bar he's about to bark at the cameraman. Like he wasn't in love with the guys that were there, so you can see like how his teeth. He almost looks like he's smiling, but he's out to give a little, you know, a little bark there to like, uh, who are you, strangers, in the backyard of this? Uh, I'm the only stranger in this house, but that's how it went down, Ahmed. He was. Uh, a, a dog that was roaming the neighborhood, and that's what happened is my mom gave him some Oreos after, like, the third day coming through our backyard. He would always cut through our backyard and be like, who is this dog? What is this? She gave him some Oreos. The next day, he basically would come up to the back door, take the Oreos, and then leave on his journey. And then after a few more days of doing that, he finally just said, you know what? They're giving me free Oreos and free food. Where am I going? Why don't I just stay here? And he stayed, he stayed. there from that point on. Yeah. He would stay for three so or four weird. days. The owners would drive over. Is he here? We'd go, yes. I mean, he's fine. Do you want him back? <laughs> well, we'll take him home, but I'm sure he'll be back in a few days or whatever. So. Oh, yeah. yeah, well, it, it was, that's so it, funny. Oh, it, was great. it sounds it dog. sounds like they were hoping that you'd just be like, "We'll take him from now." <laughs> well, I think I actually, I think I asked. Look, we'll just keep him, and you know, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I said the wrong thing, but they were very nice about it. I remember them very well, and they said, "No, we'll take him home." But you know, they laughed. They go, "But I'm sure he'll be back." And yeah. uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how he got out. They had a fenced-in backyard. But they said he just found a way to unlock the lock. I don't know what the whatever, but funny moment. But that's why we were all smiling so much because the damn dog just walked over and sat down like he was a pro. So, so there you go, proud dad with uh, with a dog that wasn't even his. And I gotta wish that's you a, right. a happy fa happy Father's Day. And uh, I gotta ask, was there any? There's been rumors out there of a wiffle ball game. Have there? Was there a wiffle ball game? Oh, really? There's uh, been rumors you, about you, it. Well, just of what happened, and you can't see your son, but oh. he is he is doing something inappropriate with his uh, fingers uh, to me right now. <laughs> Apparently, he doesn't want the story to be told. All right, here, I'm going to tell it fast. When the game was <laughs> over, I said, I want you to own up how awful you were today, and I want to hear it on the show with Florio tomorrow. And he goes, well, okay, I think I will talk about it. So I knew he wouldn't, so I called Peter King. Peter King called Florio told him my son struck out in wiffle ball lob wiffle ball uh i said okay no strikeouts allowed so i'll let him hit the damn ball the next you know for another pitch and then later he strikes out again i said that's it you're out i mean come on you're 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 you were a great baseball player whatever you're a good athlete you struck out at wiffle ball at what and then what's the last one christopher 
Then I'm pitching the ball to my, my brother-in-law. And as I was pitching the whole day, dad kept going, move up, move up, move up. And I wanted to be, you know, I'm going like, I don't want to get close to the ball and rock it back to you. So I throw one to my, my brother-in-law, who's a great athlete. I mean, arguably the greatest high school player, football high school player in the history of New Jersey. He really was this, and he hit a rocket back to me. And I may or may not have had a tequila or two at that point. And the <laughs> wiffle ball hit me right in the face. I mean, right in my head. It just bounced up in the air. And I thought I was going to have a mark on my face for the show on Monday. But thank God I didn't. <laughs> oh, it was great. Geez. It was great. You know, it, it, just, it used to be, Ahmed, I don't know, is your girl, you, you have kids? I do. Two kids. Yeah, six years old and four. Oh, well, okay. So you're at the age, as they grow, you can be competitive with them. And it used to be in Father's Day, we would have knockdown, drag out, two-on-two basketball games. I mean, right. just go for it. And I remember one day, I just, I, I walked off, I said, I'm done. I'm it. I'm done. And they go, you're not going to play more? I said, no, I am done. I'm never playing basketball again. And I haven't. I don't think I you have. Did. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, I was jumping for a rebound once, and I went, damn, I didn't get very high off the ground. And I don't know <laughs> what it was. And then Christopher goes, that's right, you're done. And, you know, he was all of a sudden I thought, damn, are you my father? <laughs> but he was right. I just knew playing the way we played, Ahmed, that I think I was 55 at the time. Sounds right. And I said, what am I doing? I'm 55, I hear guarding professional athletes who are, you know, were playing. And you know what leads what it leads to? A really bad injury. So, yeah, right. Those, those, that, so now out. that's why we play wiffle ball or play horse, maybe something in. like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Basketball out, wiffle ball in, and that's good because you can embarrass your son with that. More than on Thank the basketball you. court. Thank well, you. Well, I'm sure next year if he does come down and you know we play, he'll probably knowing him, he'll probably practice for three or four days. Here, 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 yeah. Philip, this young That's son, true. come on, throw me some. And, <laughs> got to now. It's he's, all good. He's got to. Phil, well, good here. Right, talking to you guys today. You the man. I got nothing to really complain about. I will tell you this. I I write, you know, I write notes down. I wrote the Lamar Jackson note down. I won't lose. I got a book to keep these things. One day, hey, oh, one yeah. day, Chris, we're going to do a marathon show. For, we're going to do it for charity, right? We'll just do a marathon show. It'll be me, you, Paul, your dad. We'll go for like, you know, 15 hours straight. It'll be like one of those long-distance races right there where we can empty the notebook there, Phil, and every, uh, everything we're thinking about for the 2020 season. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> and, and, you know, well, let's do it. For, hey, if we're going to do something like that, let's do it for charity. Yeah. I mean, All I right. don't know. Sign sounds me up. Good. Let's get something good out of it. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't I'm, mind I'm spending time it. with you guys, but I want to, you know, have a little reward for it. So we did something <laughs> for charity. Whatever, we could do it. So we did something right, good for the world. You guys have a great day. I'll see you later. All, All right, right Dad, Phil. You the Sounds man. Good. All right, see you, man. bud. Thank you. Bye-bye. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, 
the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, I we'll got another one on Russell Wilson here. Um, let's see. Dad's got the notebook just like you. I should have known that. I should have known that was a Sims trait, flipping through the pages. Definitely, definitely, yes. I, I through the years, always would see him write notes. He has very nice handwriting, uh, like me, too. So, uh, and he writes lefty. You know, throws righty, writes lefty. He's one of those kind of guys. Uh, Russell Wilson throws righty. Wexy Keith. Loving the pod and the countdown. Nice to see someone giving Russell the recognition he deserves. But why is there no song for him? Other top four have them. And on those same lines here, Chris, this is not one person. This is multiple people. ATX Waffle Master said, I said this to you three years ago. I'll say it again. I already came up with the song for Russell Wilson. It's the theme for Muppet Babies. Do you, do you remember that theme for Muppet Babies? <laughs> I did. I do. I remember this person saying that, actually. Uh, I can't say that I remember the theme for Muppet Babies. Like, I can remember what it looked like. Do you? Let me hear it. Mm -hmm. So the theme for Muppet Babies was Muppet Babies, they'll make your dreams come true. You know, so he he thought the alternate lyrics would be Russell Wilson, you make our dreams come true. (laughs) That could work. Not bad. It's not bad. You know, the other ones, and it's nothing, you know, like I got a song for Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Mahomes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have anything for Lamar Jackson right now. And, yes, I got nothing mm-hmm. for uh, for Russell Wilson. The, the other ones, they just came to me organically. Like I didn't, like, mm-hmm. sit down and go, oh, let me think of a song. Like it's just like, you know me, Ahmed. I'm stupid sometimes. And mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers just, just started yeah. – it just happened. Like people were like, you know, bagging on Aaron Rodgers, and I was like, "Oh, I think he's the greatest I've ever seen." <laughs> and I just started doing shit like that, and I kept, oh, and it became a song. You know, Deshaun yeah. Watson. I don't even know how that came about. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes is my buddy. You remember my buddy, right? My buddy, my yeah, yeah. buddy. You remember oh, that? Oh my gosh! Right. Yeah, and then so kid sister came out Mahomes. a couple years later. Yeah, it was kid right, sister. Right. Kid sister right. and me. Oh, yeah, 100%. Kid sister and me. Right. But Russell Wilson <laughs> is married to a famous singer. She's allowed to come up with a song, yeah. too. Help me out. Pass it along, and, Sierra. And send it to you. Yeah. Write one right. for Chris Sims that he, he can sing in his uh, in his octave range, and then uh, we'll sing it on the podcast. <laughs> yes. uh, this one is about uh, near number 40, Tua Tungavailoa. 
Did I get that right? I think that's I pretty think close, did. right? I did. Wow, Pete's even surprised. He's like, wow, you did. Uh, G. Edwards, you're obviously not as high on Tua as many pundits. Where do you think his floor and ceiling is on this list in coming years? That's an interesting question. So sure. his, he's 40 right now. So his floor is probably, you know, 40. <laughs> That's where he's yeah. at. How high can he go? Right. How high can he go? Oh, well, I mean, listen, I, you know, I think he has the type of talent to, you know, right away next year, maybe even get down into the top 20 or right around 20, you know, again. And I, I don't take that lightly to say that, too. There is a lot of damn good quarterbacks in football right now. I mean, the fact that Baker Mayfield's number 21, I think, just speaks to how many good quarterbacks are in football. He's really, really talented, and I think he could be a superstar. So, yeah, I'm not as high on Tua as most, but that doesn't mean I'm stupid and don't see some of the things that are positive about him. I just think, you know, I, I got put in a corner a little bit about, you know, of course, Tua's the greatest thing ever, and you know me, and when I start to hear things like that, I go like, no, no, I like him. He's really good. He was a first-round pick. I do not think he was a top five pick. Uh, I don't, you know, and I think, you know, ultimately, uh, I will say this. I question if I don't think he has top five quarterback talent. And if he does and he proves it to me, I'll be, you know me, I'll be there to, to say it's true. And he does and I was wrong. But uh, that would be my bold statement there. I think he's a guy ultimately who could be in that bottom part of the top 10 or real close to it for a long, long time. And, you know, to answer your part of the question, too, the floor, I think, is about where he is right now, 40. But what very intriguing quarterback to me, and I really can't wait to see how it, it pans out with him playing in South Florida. Let me hit you with a couple of these uh, speed round style, because I think yeah. these are lingering questions that people have. And maybe Nicole can pop up your, your top 40 list uh, in its entirety again as, as we look at it. But uh, a lot of people ask this. Like, who do you think of, of your of your 40 quarterbacks can make the biggest jump? Who would you think oh. it's like if you had to be put on the spot and you're like, I would not be surprised if this guy pulled a, maybe not Lamar Jackson went from 30 to five, but moved up double digit spots. Who Who's the name that jumps out to you? I think Jared Stidham would be the guy that would jump up to me more than anybody. Oh, yeah. Jer yeah. Jared Stidham at 35. I wouldn't be surprised if he made that type of jump. I wouldn't. I think he's got all the skills and attributes to be, you know, a top 20 quarterback for sure. And then, you know, again, he's going to be an offense that is quarterback friendly and those type of things. He's a smart kid. I know that. So he would be one that I certainly have had, had circled for a long, long time to make a big jump. You know, another one, because Mike kind of asked me this question on PFT this morning a little bit too. You know, when I look at like Drew Locke at 23, right? Or he's 24 25. or 25, excuse me. He's another one I look at and go, Ooh, you know, that could be, that could be real interesting, you know? And I think he's got big time talent. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him make a huge jump either. Okay. So what about an older quarterback? Those guys are two younger guys up and coming. Is there any older quarterback that you think might still have a, a bump up in them? Oh, okay. Uh, that's a good one. One of the older, so, Hmm. Philip Rivers, I think, does come, you know, again, I don't think, I think mm. really any of the old old three, you know, Brady, I wouldn't be shocked. I could, I could see him, like, moving up a few spots, something like that. Philip Rivers, though, I do look at it, and I know I said this to you before, 
you know, Philip Rivers made more plays last year than Drew Brees and Tom Brady. And, you know, even to a degree, Kirk Cousins. We know it's just the other sloppy things that really docked him down to 17 for me. But if he could kind of play a cleaner style of football, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he was, you know, four, five, six, seven spots up from there. I mean, I don't, I'm not counting any of those guys out by just saying, oh, they're at that age. They can't move up. No, I'm going to continue just to evaluate their play. And, you know, listen, I didn't think Brady was awesome last year. If he comes back and is awesome this year and all that, I'll certainly bump him up. I'm not scared to do that. So last one in the speed round version. Uh, what about a quarterback that you might, you might, uh, oh no, a quarterback that's likely to fall off. Who's the most likely to fall off your list here in the top 40? And let me give you a name and see if you agree. Because I think this one's actually probably pretty easy. Number 38, Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. Is he so most so likely to fall off? Yeah, we're talking about totally fall off the list. Um, fall off the list. Yeah, I think that's that's the name that jumps off to me more than any. Yes. Yeah, this okay. is a – I've just – it's – last year was troubling. It really was, and we know that's why they brought Nick Foles in there, and there's a lot that needs to improve in Trubisky's game. So, uh, out, of the, out of the names I'm looking at, yeah, you're right. I think that would probably be the guy that I'd say is most likely to fall off. Yeah, okay. Uh, that brings us to, because, you know, the Bears didn't really hate you. The Bears fan base didn't hate you for that take because they're probably lower on Mitchell Trubisky. I'd, I mean, they wouldn't even have him in the top 40 right now. Um, but that brings me to the top five fan bases who are maddest about the countdown here. So here are the fan bases that you have enraged the most. All right, um, let me guess, there, though. There are a lot Can of them. Yeah. Absolutely. You want to guess just which five teams I'm going to have here? in the top five, or you want to try to guess the order? No, I'm just going to try to guess the, the five teams right off the bat. Okay. Okay. The, the New Orleans fan base. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Um, yes. The, the Rams fan base. Are they in there? I have them at five. So I have saints at one. I have Rams at five. Although Pete seemed to think there was another team, another fan base that was giving you more hate than the Saints. I have Saints 1. I think Pete would have a different one. But Saints 1, yep, Rams with Jared Goff. Um, they're still hating on you. They're 5. Um, I mean, I'm, I want to I, I mean, I say the Tom Brady crowd is probably hating on me. I don't know if that's New England or Tampa, but no. Because no, the them. New England I feel like New England's happy with what you said about Jarrett Stidham. And, okay. Uh, Tampa's just uh, Tampa's just happy to have them, I think. So no, they didn't make it. Okay, um, the 49ers, are that fan base pissed off of me for where I put yes. Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they're my number three most pissed off fan base right now at at Chris Sims. But you sparked a lot of debate with Jimmy Garoppolo though, because they came at you with some heat. But then in the mentions, if you read them. They get they get a lot of heat too for defending Jimmy Garoppolo. He is a divisive character. This Jimmy Garoppolo, you either really love him and love his potential, or think he's super overrated and will never pan out. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. All right, it is. It is. It is. Uh, it is crazy. But it goes exactly you know the old adage of what we always talk about: stats and wins. And see people see that and they just go, "Well, he's got to be top ten. They win, and yeah. he threw twenty seven touchdowns and ten interceptions and you know, as we know, and what I'm trying to explain a lot of the time is there's just more to it than that. So, okay, I got that one. 
Is Baltimore mm-hmm. mad at me because I put Lamar five? I don't think so. I didn't see a whole lot of heat there. Maybe they thought okay. you were a little low, but it wasn't. It wasn't the visceral, the visceral right, hate that you're getting ones. from two more. Go ahead, give me other ones. Let's do it. Okay, the other two. I got Washington at four. They really think you're low on Dwayne Haskins. Defend yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I know they do. <laughs> and um, yeah. Yeah. hey, I like I like the ceiling of what yeah. maybe Dwayne Haskins can be. As I've told you yeah. many times, uh, I'm just not sure what he is right now. And he is very raw. And like I've said, I just think there's some maturing that needs to be done there. So I just need to see a little bit more evidence before I can put a much much higher. You know, if it was a list on potential, he wouldn't be, you know, at at, at 39. But that's right. not what the list is here. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry. But I, you're right. And now that I think about that, I've gotten a lot of backlash for that from, from any radio or anything I've done close to the D.C. area. And number two on my list, number one on Pete's list, and he's been looking at the mentions a lot closer than I have, so he's probably right on this, is in South Florida, the Miami Dolphins. We were just Man. talking about them. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of people that I think that comes from maybe a bit of desperation in Miami. They're looking for their next Dan Marino, and they, they, man, they want it to be Tua so bad that when you put him 40, which is even good and even higher than I, I didn't know that he would make your top 40. Um, they're upset. They want, they uh, want you, know, you to love him. They want you to love him as much as they love him. Right. I know that's, that's what it seems like, uh, you know, and now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, duh. I've gotten a lot of, that's another one. It's a lot of pushback. And well, listen, it, honestly, it's a fan base that I don't expect to hear from in social media. A lot of the times that's what I'm surprised about. You know, I want to tell good, them good to, sign for them. It, it is. Pumped. I want to be like, all right, so now stop tweeting at me and, you know, buy some tickets and go to the games and show up. Okay. So we can fill the stadium up and you can give Tua a home field advantage. That's what I want to say to those fans. Um, yeah. But no, I know. But, you know, Ahmed, you see how it goes back to always the same thing, though. So many times with these conversations, we out Alabama. They won. I saw him on the TV screen every week. And all they did was talk about him, so he must have been the reason. Well, no, they talk about the quarterback in every game way too much. And Alabama's been winning for 15 years straight, no matter who's that quarterback. And that's where, you know, just to me, the fan can get confused with that at times. And like uh, we always say, the optics instead of the context. So uh, I- I'm really excited for Tua, though. And I know how awesome of a kid yeah. he is, and I respect his game. You just, you know, the questions I have and we'll see. And, and listen, I, I root for him. I hope he proves me wrong. So you've got, you've got uh, haters out there. We know that. Uh, but you also have defenders. You have several defenders. The homies rushed to your defense many a times. I think we have a couple of uh, tweets here. Here they are. Uh, his lowness, terrible name, says, nobody cares about your list. Your opinion is irrelevant. Matt Miller, homie. Writes back, why are you commenting on it then? LOL. And you do see that a lot. For people that says no one cares, they spend a whole lot of time reacting to something that they say that no one cares about. And then no, the other I comment, DM89, how do you get paid to be an analyst? You aren't really that great at your job. Mike Florio responds, direct deposit. So we got, <laughs> I mean, we all got your back, Chris. <laughs> That's my man, Flor. Uh, yes, it is direct deposit. Florio's very, see, that's uh, my, he's my boss. He knows, see? He knows, yeah. <laughs> but, 
Uh, Florio's great that way. That's why he's a great wingman. He does really stick up for me. And, you know, honestly, and I think in a lot of ways, Florio's not afraid to push back against me. I feel like hopefully some of my logic has swayed some of his opinions and things like that. And then the other guy that stuck up for me, you know, that's my old Bleacher Report friend, Matt Miller, right? And at least I think it was. And Matt Miller, I used to do the draft with him. It isn't a different Matt Miller. I didn't look at the screen all the way quickly there. Uh, no. So either way, sorry, I was gonna, I was gonna stick up for my other he's friend ba- Matt Miller. He's back. No, he's bagging way, on you too. No, <laughs> I got two Matt Millers that are friendly to me, and I always, I always love that though. Those comments when I do, you know, sit there and go through my mentions and things like that. The people who say they can't stand me and how horrible that I am, but yet they have twenty different comments on everything I've said during the day. So. I mean, okay, that's cool. You don't have to love me. You don't always have to agree with me. And I'm not trying to be personal on anybody. I just hope everybody can respect that. I've been around it for a long time, as I've told you. And I've been taught by a lot of people and seen a lot of these great quarterbacks in person. And I'm just trying to give my best football knowledge and opinion and pass it forward that way and create some discussion. And and, and that's all it's about. That's, and I really enjoy it. And I enjoy the, the feedback I get from it. I think it's great, and it gives obviously something for us to to talk about and think about in a time when there's not a whole lot to talk about and think about. And it's such a worthwhile practice trying to extrapolate the individual accomplishments from all that comes with a team. And I think you do that right. better than than anyone else. So I I love the exercise. Have you heard from anyone in the league? You mentioned before that you know you've been low on Jared Goff before, and and some people in the league said, "Hey, you're you're right about that." And then the opposite with Ryan Tannehill, where they kind of told you, "Hey." Take a look at him. You might be a little low on him. Have you heard anything from anyone in the league about this year's top 40? I, I have. You know, I think the, the top 40 has caught wind a little bit. You know, I do think, you know, the pandemic and like you said, lack of people, or lack of sporting events has put a little more attention on this maybe than in years past. And, you know, for the most part, the, 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 my friends in the NFL that have reached out, they're more like, oh, man, I, you know, I love your list or I love how you explain these guys or, you know, oh, man, I just saw the three or four you unveiled today. I would have done it this way. I haven't had any crazy pushback yet. So we'll see. But this coming up yeah. month is when I expect it, Ahmed, because now that I'm going to get a break and the coaches are on break, too. I'll start getting into some more like, hey, let's catch up conversations and talk on the phone and what's going on. And that's when I'll hear a little bit about, oh, this is where I think you got it wrong on my quarterback or you got it wrong on this quarterback. And uh, I always welcome that. Again, I don't think what I do or say is set in stone. Like I said, I just like doing it. I work hard at it. And uh, I just hope it, it, it teaches some people some things about the position. And then you ask the head coach, are you on Twitter? And is your name his lowness? If you think I'm too low on your quarter, are you tweeting me throughout the year? Uh, can I do a couple more players with you? You got time for two Of course, more? of course, yeah. So Cam Newton, of course, caused a lot of, a lot of ruckus. And in a lot of ways, I'm sure for you, he was the hardest player to, to rank just because you don't he know health-wise, well, you didn't get to see him uh, that much last year. And so it was, uh, it was hard for you. Uh, this comment comes from Chow Jr. He says, about Cam Newton, if he does not play this season, how would it affect his future? Almost two full seasons without playing football. It'd be just two of 32, 32 games. So you think he's a top 10 quarterback right now. If he doesn't latch on with a team this year just because of all the weirdness of coronavirus and he just doesn't have a job now, 
Where does that put him? Yeah, it's, it's going to put him in a tough spot. There's no doubt. That's a really good question. It is because that's going to scare. It's, it's a little bit like the Colin Kaepernick situation. Like Colin Kaepernick obviously deserves to be in the NFL. We know that. That's not a discussion. You know, when he got blackballed by the NFL, he was definitely one of the top 16 quarterbacks in the game. There's no doubt about that. And then even after a year off and not being in the game, he was still one of the top 32, in my opinion. But, you know, I always get scared. One of the reasons I think that's really going to hurt Colin Kaepernick now is truly just from the football standpoint, a lot of coaches are going to go, man, it's been so long since he played football. It's been a long time. And quarterback, as I always say and argue with people, is the hardest position to practice in all the sports. You just can't emulate you know, game reps with big people around you, yelling at you, trying to rip your head off, 70,000 people screaming. You know, the intensity of the game as compared to practice is much greater. So you can't emulate the position. No matter how hard you try to go to a high school field and practice and do that, there's nothing that can get you ready for that. And, you know, even for a guy that's as great as Cam Newton, yeah, he takes, you know, he ends up not playing or being on a team this full season. It's go, it's going to have to change his approach all the way, I think, because I think then it's going to scare off another group of teams, right, that are going to go, man, it's been two years since he kind of played football. I don't know if I want to bring him here and be my starter. So I think it'll yeah. limit the teams that want to sign him even more to where he might have to concede the uh, – who knows if that was going to happen? This is a big if question, but maybe he has to concede to go, okay, I guess I got to go here and, you know, be in a quarterback battle with this team and, and try to earn the spot. Or maybe I got to go somewhere with a proven quarterback and, and try to be a backup, which sounds absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but I do think it would change the process completely. I'd like to think that going into an offseason, if Cam Newton was out there and a team didn't have a quarterback, that they would, you know, having a full offseason, which they didn't have this year, and Cam was free throughout the totality of free agency, that somebody yeah. would sign Cam Newton to be their starting quarterback. That's tough for him, though, right? You go in, you're yeah. going to a camp, you're battling all of a sudden, and you're rusty, and now you have limited opportunities, and you got some more pressure. That's going to be a tough, tough road back for Cam. Luckily, he's got the talent. Hopefully, he's just got the, the health along right. with it, too. This question comes from uh, Orion Chuzzlewhip about Jameis Winston. He goes, uh, thanks for the list, first of all. It's obvious you put a lot of effort into it. Always the highlight of my summer. Whoa. Orion, it's not even the beach or uh, the good weather or baseball. It's the uh, No, Christian stop, stop thinking he's crazy for that. Well, this is his highlight, you jerk. This is this what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't question it. Uh, if you could magically eliminate all the bonehead plays from one Jameis Winston's game, how far could he theoretically move up on your list? So say we're, oh. we're, we're not going to take them all away, but we're saying he significantly reduces the bonehead plays and the, the mistakes. Uh, how high does he go? Oh, certainly in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about that. I think, you know, listen, if you just, let's just, what, what are we saying here? You know, yeah, you're not eliminating all of them, but let's just say, what was it? I think last year he had 33 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions or something like that. Something like that. Let's just, yeah. let's just say it's 33 touchdown passes and 12 interceptions. First off, he's, I don't know, maybe in the pro bowl, 
Uh, he's definitely still the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Brady's not there. And, yeah, I would say he'd be a guy that would be dancing around Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Dak Prescottville there at 6, 7, and 8. Because, like I've always said, his good is not good. It's great. It's, I mean, it is great. And I know I'm not crazy in that because I know I've said this to you, but I just can't tell you how many coaches early on in free agency – we're like, man, Chris, man, Chris, man, Chris. I'm really intrigued by Jameis Winston. I think I can fix him. Holy cow. Chris, did you did yeah. you know, I mean, have you seen how many plays he makes and throws he makes every game? I just never realized that was that much until I really started to study him. You know, I, he is one of those type of talents. But of course the bonehead thing is his number one talent right now as far as the interceptions and, and bad, you know, decisions to where yeah, I, I can't put him any higher than where he's at right now because I just don't trust him. He can lose you football games, and uh, he's got some work to do to get back into the trust tree with me. So even if coaches thought they could fix him, do you think ultimately why he had to settle with a, a Saints backup job with Taysom Hill there as well is that they were they thought they could fix him, but there's a lot of pressure that you have to fix him if you sign yes, Jameis Winston? Yeah, I think so. You're, you're right. I think that's, a, that's probably part of the psychological, like, wrestling coaches were doing in their minds, you know, and, you know, I think the other thing too, yeah, ultimately they got a little scared off, let's say. I think the other thing is, you know, Jameis Winston, again, is a little like Cam Newton here where like some teams are going to be scared to bring him in as the backup because he's too talented because they're, they know they're going to bring him in and they're going to go, damn, he went in with the second team in the preseason and threw for 300 yards in like a quarter and a half, you know, and damn, it's a good practice every day with like eye popping type throws to where a lot of the teams are just not going to be like in love with that. Cause they're, they think it's, you know, going to challenge their starter, make the starter uncomfortable, you know, make the team question the starter. And you know, that's, that's where he's at. So he's at a perfect spot in New Orleans to revive his career learn some new things, learn how to play the position in a more pure way. And I think Sean Payton truly is the guy that can fix them. So we'll see. It'll be interesting there because uh, there's definitely an, a scenario that plays out over the course of 2020 if we have it where Jameis Winston impresses to the point where it changes the, the calculus about who does take over for for Drew Brees after, yeah, after 2020. Right. I know they've put a lot of money and effort into Taysom Hill. It seems like they have a lot of belief in him, but if they truly do, like you said, figure out a way to make Jason or Jameis Winston one of those top 10 quarterbacks, that's tough to, to walk away from. Let's, Let's it do it. Let's Vacation do it. as... Hey, you've earned it. You've earned it, my friend. Man, you're a good friend and a great host. I enjoy doing the show with you. Everybody be safe out there. Enjoy July 4th. Come on, let's keep fighting the good fight. Social injustice, the pandemic. Let's do what's right for our fellow humans, all right? That's all I'll say. Ahmed, you the man. Chris Sims, peace. I'm out of here. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.